Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Let's get the party started. When was the last time you shipped your pants? You think I'm a damn fool? I shipped my pants last night. <laughs> it's a beautiful planet. Well, it's a moon. For sure. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Put that in your package, folks. What's up, everybody? Josh from the Clearing Waivers Podcast coming at you for another week of the Clearing Waivers Podcast. Hope you're all doing well in this fine week. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I think Brian is the only one wearing green. Potentially, his lighting might be messing with me. Plus, I'm bad at colors, so uh, he's the only festive one, potentially. But uh, I do want to, to wish everybody out there happy St. Patrick Mahomes' day. Uh, it's, let's not forget the reason of the season is Patrick Mahomes. Um, we're happy to be here for another week uh, on the Clearing Waves podcast. Uh, thanks again for joining us. We've got a uh, pretty good uh, round of stuff to talk about here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Royals uh, roster construction. A little bit, maybe too early to kind of produce some predictions on it. But according to Dayton Moore and Mike Matheny, they've already kind of got it figured out, maybe down to just a few more options to figure out but we're going to try to take a stab at uh, what those are going to look like as well as talk about some of the uh, Chiefs roster moves that they've made over the last week or so Uh, naturally we we go a day late last week and then they kind of make a big move the day we drop a new episode so we're going to go back grab that real quick and then come back to some recent events that have taken place and then we're going to end clearing the waivers with some March Madness talk through a selection Sunday this last Sunday so we know the match Matchups for the most part outside of the play-in games. We're going to take a look specifically at the Mizzou and Kansas matchups. Uh, and then we'll get into some fun shenanigans here. But um, before we do that, let's take it on the host here. Kitty, how was your week? Oh, yeah, it's a good week. Uh, kind of Over under on number of golf golf holes, 35 and a half. Uh, it was under because this weekend was, uh, it was a rain weekend. Not a great weather. Yep, that's true. Terrible weather for this week, for this week, past weekend, so. Been a, yeah, it's a real uh, state of home. Just uh, drank myself into a uh, nice early <laughs> early bedtime. Just uh, just sitting by and, and watching some conference championships. That's right. Watching watching golf on TV golf. was all, all, all I could do and yep. some basketball. So worked gotcha. out just great. Yep, good. Brian, how was your week? Great. Let's get started. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I like the efficiency. Let's get into it here. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about lineup and rotation of bullpen construction here. We've kind of all picked out one specific category here, and I'm going to have Brian lead off with the batting order slash lineup. Uh, maybe give us your opening day pick or maybe some uh, what's going to look like in an ideal scenario. Go ahead. Yeah, I love lineup <clears throat> talk, it, and it absolutely <laughs> means nothing in, in, the, in the end of the day, but mm-hmm. – I still love lining up talk, and even if I have no say in it, here's my say. We got to put Wit at the top of the order. That's where he belongs. That's where he lives. Yeah, Witt, yeah. right there. Wit Merrifield, I'm talking uh, about. I was going to say, we got to specify now. <laughs> That's right. Because now that we've started the wave, there's no stopping the wave. That's Bobby right. Wood Jr. is going to be in the in the lineup, I think. For the time being, we're going to consider Bobby Wood Jr. is not on this team. Okay. So, Wit Merrifield's at the top. I love having Benny right there in the two-hole. He's Switches you up righty lefty without sacrificing on base percentage. He's one of our best on base percentage guys. So I love having him and Wit right there at the top. I I want to pencil in Carlos Santana at three. I just feel like with his uh, on base percentage and how many pitches he takes every at bat, that first inning could be hell for a starting pitcher to get oh, through. Oh yeah. But between those guys, they love to see pitches. Uh, Santana loves to see four point two pitches of what he's averaged 
shots per per plate appearance over his career. Yeah. Benny's right there at 3.9, Witt 3.8. So, I mean, Witt, he can go up there and look for first pitch fastball fishing. But sometimes, I mean, he's really good at fouling off, even if he doesn't take a lot of walks. He fouls off a lot of pitches and generates bumps up that pitches. Uh, so I got one, two, three, and still be 15 to 20 pitches deep. And I love that. That's right. And I think, I think if you start off a bunch of innings with wit batting, leading off with no outs, there's a pretty good chance. One of those three guys is going to be on base. Yeah. And I think when one of those guys is on base, the absolute last person you want to see in this lineup (laughs) is Jorge Soler because he can really, he can really ruin your day. Right. I mean, he's a prototypical cleanup hitter, huge power. He sees pitches too. He'll take a walk. So mm-hmm. I love him in the four hole. I'm going to put Salvi at five. He had a great year last year, but I'm going to have him, I'm going to have him protecting Solaire. Six. This is where it gets a little bit controversial because I love nice. I love my guy Dozier, but I also think Modesty's speed and stolen base threat is such a huge weapon mm-hmm. that I'm going to I'm going to slot him in here because I want Dozier behind him because Dozier also will will look at pitches. He's one of our best biggest pitches per plate appearance guys at three point nine pitches per plate appearance he, he doesn't have a problem taking pitches and i want to i want to give Bonacy the opportunity to steal a bag or two so I, i'm going to put dozier behind him and then the eight nine doesn't really matter but let's just <laughs> for for sake of uh, argument let's put in michael a taylor at eight nikki at nine and uh if we do get the, the pleasure of having bobby witt jr for all the crybabies that say he didn't earn his way on this team and he didn't get go level to level level to promote himself. Let's say let's slot him in here at nine and let him promote his way up the lineup as, as he produces. And you put him in there as, as a, at a no pressure situation, say, give us your, your glove. And if you hit two hit, that's great, but put him at nine. Don't put any pressure on him. And he added pressure. I should say uh, starting your major league career yep. after two years. So, um, yep. I think that's the winning lineup. And they probably won't listen to me. <laughs> I think that's actually right. I'm right there with you for the most part. I, I mean, I can't really get too upset about Mondesi in the six hole over Dozier at this point because they're kind of both giving you the same thing. I think not necessarily consistency to a point, but both of them can just be absolutely scorched earth on uh, at any given moment. So I, I definitely am into that. And to put Bobby Witt Jr. at nine, you're also going Witt on the backside so your bobby witt is potentially another leadoff hitter people talk about his uh his <clears throat> pitch discipline uh should translate into a decent on base percentage and everybody knows about the speed and, and just overall aggressiveness of of him well he's shown already in that <clears throat> that the botched ball to shortstop against the dodgers and he scored from second base that's that's sexy stuff so if we're if he's able to get on base and produce on the base paths like that from the nine spot i am 100 in on that second leadoff that's yeah, right i i think i like it but i i'm thinking these guys are a little more old school and they're going to put santana or going to switch santana and solaire to not have the uh back-to-back right-handers with yep uh, salvi solaire and salvi i'd be just just i mean they're still going to have it they're going to have probably dozier and salvi possibly unless they put Montessi at six like you did so yeah but either way i'm 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 good with either lineup there. Doesn't matter. Let's just get all get get the double S boys or triple S or Salvi Santana Solaire. Oh yeah, those guys there uh, get their at bats and we'll be good to go. Mm-hmm. The only thing that stinks is Dozier probably going to affect his runs number on the year because he's got right. two oh, thirds yeah. behind him potentially. If he's batting seven or <laughs> even if he's batting six, batting six is not a ideal spot in the lineup either for right. run scored. Better Let's get look those at reds. that. Let's look at that as like the fourth cleanup hitter. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it that way. Yeah. And uh, then we can just kind of hope for the best at eight and nine. It's good to have options. I mean, at this point last year, we were talking about, I don't know, let's put Dozier in the three hole and see what happens there. Just, I mean, it seems like there are really good options to, to go one through six at this point um, with a lot of good upside and stuff with the seven, eight, and nine spot. Well, seven spot per, in particular, but <laughs> well, it's uh, Michael A. Taylor's hitting well. Yeah, he is. Uh, and it was exciting that Dayton told us that uh, in this offseason he was going to try to find middle of order bats. And we're all like rolling our eyes saying, oh, yeah, right. We're never going to pay for those guys. <laughs> but throwing Benatendi and Santana at the top of that order really lengthens that baby out. And I, I just love it. Yes. Yep. Oh, yeah. I like it. I think Kitty, we're going 
we're going to have to really start calling him Whit Jr. because with Whit Merrifield already out there, it's just going to get so damn confusing. Either Bobby Whit or Whit Jr. He's got to, we're going to have to go with one of those two because this is getting confusing already. And it's only March 16th or 17th. How about just call three hit Whit? Three hit Whit <laughs> instead of two hit Whit. <laughs> call him Whit Lee and then Bobby right, Whit. Maybe. Maybe. Bob. Bob. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Bob. Just straight up calling him Bob. I'm into that. <laughs> Kitty, you're on you're on point with the rotation here. What's your prediction about the uh, the rotation? What it's going to look like this year? I think the rotation is pretty much set already. I can't imagine anything would change too much. If you're going to go, how I put it together would be Keller, Duffy, Singer, Minor, Bubich as the top five. So Bubich there is probably going to get squeezed out early in the season without ne- that need for that fifth starter mm-hmm. for those first couple weeks, which it always it just bugs me the way MLB puts their schedule together at the beginning yep. of the year like that. Oh yeah. Oh, it's April. Here's 10 off days in April and the rest yep. of you get zero. Like, what the hell are you doing? I know you probably have a propensity to get more rainouts, but it's not like they, they also don't put everyone's schedule on the same set. They'll do here's a Monday through Wednesday, then a Thursday through Saturday or Sunday. But the other right. team that's going to possibly have an off day, doesn't have that same. So it just doesn't work anyway. Right, that they don't make up games in April because of rainouts. So stop putting so many off days in April. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't make any damn sense. So dumb. Well, I think they said that after they get through that first stretch with a bunch of off days, then they have like twelve games in a row. Right. It just doesn't. It's just dumb. Oh, it's so it bad. No sense. No sense. All right. Sorry. Get off after that little uh, <laughs> small tangent there of how dumb MLB scheduling can be in the early season. I think <laughs> after like after he's got. Bubich in there as a five spot. I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious of what they're going to do if they need a spot start from somebody from tweak injury. What's going to happen with Santana? Is he going to, if he doesn't no. break camp with the team, just are they going to have a minor league? Is he going to stay in the minor leagues with them, or I don't know what's going to happen sure. to him. So I would think he'd be a possibility for a couple of starts. Or then you could got, you got Junis and Han in the bullpen that can give you some spot starts. So I think you're probably going to see more of those guys before we get to the minor league Dustin guys of Lynch Coar or uh, Lacey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Lynch or Coar or Lacey all year, even just if we've got a couple options in house already with, with the Junis and Han possibilities that yeah, I think it's going to take a lot more than just possibly one guy going down with, before we see maybe two yep. or three to have to need before those guys get a, get a look, see at the major league rotation. Mm-hmm. Probably could have probably throw in Scott Blewett and Ronald Bolaños in there too as potential options oh, right. if uh, if they're needed yeah. for depth for sure. Carlos yeah, Hernandez yeah. always goes unlooked after you kind of get through those big uh, those big ones, and he pitched pretty damn well last year in the in his major league run. So he also could be an option in there. But yeah, I I, th- right. I, I agree with you. We're gonna see the uh, the secondary list of pitchers before I think we see that primary list of pitchers that are next really wave knock at the knock on the door wave yeah yeah so it's just a little it's a shame for us at the major league level watching games that we don't won't probably might not get to see those guys this year but i there's I too hope, much hope, yeah hope, hope there's a hope there's a chance but there's just there's a, that's a lot to ask for those guys to right. want to come up yeah there's there's going to be a few things needing to happen in order for for them to get worked in i think you're right but you know they could become they could be breaking down the door as well and then we could see a real interesting uh, eight man rotation. Let's go. Let's get weird with it. <laughs> Just a bunch of guys uh, doubling up on starts here. The uh-huh. Back of the rotation. You, you each get four innings today. Let's get four it done. Four or five innings. Yep. <laughs> you do it. Get your four in. <laughs> let's, let's see if you guys can complete this game with just two of you. Let's see what happens here. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, kind of hand in hand. I got I got the bullpen duty. Um, so I'll go through mine. I think the locks are pretty obvious as well on this with Holland, Stamont, Barlow, and Hahn. Gives us four, I think, pretty uh, pretty much a lock. Then I think uh, the more than likely are Wade Davis, uh, Kyle Zimmer, and Brad Brock. I mean, he I think he's working his way into it. They were just talking to Matheny the other day about the weird armor slot. And I think I saw that there's only three other pitchers in the majors that throw at a like a, a sharper and lower angle than Brock. So I, I feel like they're uh, intrigued by that. Uh, release and delivery so i think he's got a pretty good shot at making it as well uh, especially after they i had tyler zuber 
mixed in here today <laughs> and he just got option to AAA a little bit a few hours ago before this uh so i had to i think brock has probably made his case and will be in there so uh that puts us at seven and so i need two more guys i think richard lovelady has pitched really really well it seems like the reports on him coming out of the front front office has been really really good really impressed his numbers are really really good in spring training so far hasn't been optioned yet so he's still in the mix for some major league reps something to watch here uh, as we go down the stretch the final couple weeks of spring training but i think he's done enough to kind of get a nod here leaving one more spot like i said tyler zuber's out but there's still two names that i don't think i've seen optioned that i know one pitched in the majors last year i think the year before as well as a starter but jake newberry um i think I was really, really impressed with uh, some of his moments last year, uh, doing pretty well in spring training so far. So he's got a pretty good chance. I would say probably the inside track as well on that final spot. But uh, another Jake in the mix is Jake Brintz, left-handed pitcher who throws gas. Uh, I think he's hitting like 99, which is always fun out of, out of the left hand. So um, I think he's been, I think he's gotten roughed up in maybe one appearance. So his numbers aren't great, but I think the Royals have been rumored to be pretty impressed with his upside. Um, and with them not being real uh, deep with left-handed pitchers in the bullpen, I get him uh, love lady going. And then that angel Zerpa guy, I think is potentially uh, somebody else, somebody else they want to get worked in as well. So uh, I'm going to go with Newberry making the opening day roster. Like I said, I think you got the inside lane for that. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see kind of what happens because I think the ideal scenario is that five to six man rotation. And I'm not 100% sold that Bubich is the guy over Junis because of his cutter. It seems like everybody's been really impressed with what he's been able to bring to the table in spring training again. I think that those two guys for the potential fifth and sixth spots in the rotation are definitely something to watch going down the stretch here at the end of spring training. And that could in like directly affect how this bullpen kind of takes shape as well, because I mean, people have, people are dying to see, Jake Junis's slider out of the bullpen. They think that that could absolutely crush at the bullpen, but uh, the Royals have come out and said that they do want to keep him stre stretched out to be a starter. So I'm not quite putting him in the bullpen yet. It's going to be interesting to see what they do if they'd rather option him to triple a for a month of non <laughs> not needing him just to keep stretched out. Or if they try to keep him, give him a bullpen role and see how he does with a, a few innings here and there to kind of be a, uh, innings eater out of the bullpen so i think that's how it kind of shaped out to me you are out of your mind if i, I have, don't have two jakes <laughs> two jakes in the bullpen and one's not junis well i showed my work out I showed of my your work mind I think it's there. <laughs> that this junis i mean you have to keep him stretched out in case there's an injury in spring training Correct. but I, I don't think that's if that doesn't happen they're absolutely putting jake junis in the bullpen we'll see it's, this stuff's all lip service right now <laughs> Could be. I'm not, I'm not denying that. But. I think, I think the Royals are excited about, like you said, his potential of being dominant for one or two innings out there. Could be. Instead of getting beat up third time through, like he seems to always do. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'd love to see him out there, but I, I think that they're, I mean, it's undeniable that starters are more valuable to a team than relief pitchers are. And you don't want to give up on some guy who is, shown a little bit of success and has experience as a starter in the big leagues i think it's Not also gonna... undeniable what he's shown as a starter and he is wade davis hopefully <laughs> he can't be a starting pitcher but he'd be a goddamn great reliever maybe let's His go slider baby. is nasty for <laughs> sure we'll see we'll see how it all kind of shapes out but um i think i'd be intrigued by them going to six-man rotation with Bubich and junis in there and then having was that leave seven guys in the bullpen? And that's, I mean, those are the seven obvious ones that Buddy, I kind of mentioned if, earlier. If we were going six man rotation, I want Lynch in the, in that role. It's not happening. Come I on. Can't see, it's not, I happening. can't see any team going to a six man rotation when you're back to you guys are potentially not good. Right. And you're basically hoping that two guys back to back in rotation, can get five innings out of them. I, mm -hmm. no way I see a six man rotation. You've got to be paying six guys, 20 mil a year to do a six man rotation. And not to mention, 
last year we were talking about Singer breaking camp with the team because he was being undeniable. He was doing very well in spring training, and Daniel Lynch has not done great. His numbers aren't great. He's shown times where he's just throwing gas, 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 and then breaks them off with a little off speed or a little bit of uh, slider in their face. Um, but he still doesn't put up the best numbers so far in spring training. So he's certainly not undeniable at this point. So Gosh. I don't, I don't see them. We're, <laughs> we're the beacon of the Bobby Witt jr. Bandwagon. I know, but we're only saving those hot takes for specific examples with good backup uh, argument for it. Only the good spring training stats count. We've talked about this before <laughs> the bad it's ones. True. It's spring training. It doesn't matter. The True. good ones, like them leading offensive stats, statistics in every category. Locked in. Oh, Everyone's yeah. locked in. This team's ready for a run. Time for <laughs> Bubba Starling to finally break break through and become the, mean, the star that he always is. A.O. home one champ, Bubba Starling. Uh-huh. There you go. Who needs pitching when you can lead the league in homers? It's not a bad idea. Not against it. Pretty sure the uh, dimensions down there, same as in Kaufman. So we are oh, ready yeah. to oh, and I mean, the ground running. The, and the air is exactly the same. They, there's like no wind <laughs> ever. It's <clears throat> prime. It's prime real estate. Facing double-A pitchers sometimes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to talk about all that. Only the good ones. I like it. <clears throat> Well, let's move on. We've got we've got lots of uh, time to kind of keep breaking around. There's going to be more talk about how this roster is constructed. We're going to probably focus on it a few more times before we get the answer here, um, but we'll look forward to that. Let's move on here to the Chiefs. Like I said, they did wait till the uh, take, wait till we aired an episode to do something pretty big, which was releasing uh, uh, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. They're starting two offensive tackles. The moves did save about $18.25 million in cap space, kind of brought them right to that $182 million salary cap, um, kind of got them right there. And then they did restructure a few players. But, uh, Brian, let's start with you here. What's, uh, I guess, what is the big impact of these two releases? Well, you go from kind of a weakness that we found at the end of this year to, it being a, a huge weakness once you have to release those tackles that were out of the Super Bowl. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's one of those moves you knew you had to make, and it's one of those moves you kind of close your eyes and hit the button and, and put it through because it's reality that, you know, it's likely that neither one of these guys is going to be ready at camp. I mean, you don't, never know with the back with Mitchell Schwartz. He may be done for good. And when, with those cap hits, you got to make a move when you're, you're trying to still stay in that Super Bowl contention. So – it, I mean, no one liked to see it happen, obviously, but it's something they had to do. And now they've got many holes to fill up, and they filled one up recently. That was a they did. huge impact. Yes, they did. Uh, they did restructure Mahomes and Chris Jones' contracts. There's rumors of Travis Kelsey also restructuring his deal. And uh, I've also heard rumors of a Tyron Matthew extension, which would also get him some room to, like you said, make some free agent moves, uh, which they did yesterday signing joe Th- tooney yeah i almost did it i almost did it we, we were practicing everything joe tooney uh, joe the tooney joe the tooney <laughs> looney tooney there the it tooney. is um <laughs> he is a former uh offensive lineman for the new england patriots 28 year old offensive guard signed him to a five-year 80 million dollars with a 32.5 guaranteed i think i saw that his signing bonus was 17, and his cap hit this year was 4.5. Yeah, something small. So if that, they're already taking care of two of the $32.5 million, 20 of the $32.5 million guaranteed. Mason basically making this, a, I'm going to guess, a two-year contract uh, at the very least. So hopefully they get a lot more out of him than this. But uh, he hasn't – yeah, he hadn't missed a game since he entered the league in 2016, which is huge. Um, he has played all five positions along the offensive line, mostly at guard. He has hit some tackle as well, but he, over the last three seasons, he has pro football focuses best grade at offensive guard, which is ginormous. And I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Kitty, do you have any commentary on Joe Tooney? <laughs> Good job, Tooney. Okay, cool. <laughs> Brian, how about you? I mean, wanted this... to see if you wanted to work in here. You can't, you can't shoot, take any shots if you don't get the ball. That's true. 
No, I think Tooney's like the perfect player for Andy Reid's system because we've heard all through the playoffs and stuff that that Andy works every guy at every position, you know, through through practices and stuff. So you have to know every position. Tooney sounds like he's built for that. Uh, he can be a dominant left guard, and you know, like you said, move over tackle if you have to, move to center if he needs to. So I mean, that's uh, versatility is is killer for for this team that we saw injuries just kill him at the end of the year mm-hmm. and I mean I think like you said that his reliability and consistency is what they need right now they need some stability on that line and they need that experienced leader since we're you know we're losing fish and Schwartz um, we're inevitably going to bring in some young guys and, and it'll be great to have Tooney to, to listen to kind of kind of coach him up so I think yeah and it's and it's exciting that they're they're still talking to Trent Williams and in, in a bidding war supposedly with, with San Francisco so if it's down to us and them and if we're still in the running for him they could make that left side of the the, the line dominant have two of the best in the game on, on the yep. same side of the ball and also <clears throat> how about come on home Rodney Hudson he just yep. got cut by the Raiders just got cut by the Raiders yep seemingly because they don't have any money <laughs> so well not cap room they don't have money they I think they still had was it two and a half million dollars in dead money. It was more to release him than yep. it was to keep him. Made zero which sense. Which was interesting. Made zero sense. I would love to bring him <laughs> back home. If if you can somehow make this offensive line, Trent Williams, Joe Tooney, and Rodney Hudson on the left side, just get a couple of bums on the right side. Who who cares? I mean, you still got uh, LDT coming back. Another situation where if they cut him, it's it's more money to cut him than it is to yep. uh, pay him, play him on the roster. Got Kyle Long coming in. Kyle Long potentially coming in. Lucas Niang, uh, for for whatever he could be potentially worth, uh, could be on that right tackle mix as well. And I'm not sure they don't uh, they don't kick the tires on Osentley. Yep. see what uh what he can bring back to that position as well but i He's think it's a versatility too i think to that it's it's a bigger point that uh brett veach is kind of saying what we said before of let's build this offensive line to be a wall in front of patrick mahomes and then yep. kind of fill in playmakers with the draft and kind of you know guys on prove it deals type of thing we need to build the line to be like the packers we saw last year build that wall build that wall <laughs> Uh, you, you talked about reliability of Tooney. He has only missed 41 total offensive snaps in five seasons. Uh, all those came in the last two seasons, but like I said, he did start every game, so you do get a depend dependability there uh, that you didn't necessarily have. I was reading Seth Kaiser's Chief in the North uh, uh, newsletter today, and he kind of comped him to Mitch Morse. Um, he also talked to one of his buddies, Evan Lazar, kind of follows the Patriots a little bit, kind of get his read on it. And he said that he's truly a tackle playing guard. He's a very, very good, technically sound blocker, uh, especially in pass protection. He's not the biggest dude. So the run blocking is not his strong suit, but he is still very capable to be a run blocker. So um, let's start airing it out, get Pat Mahomes a whole lot of time. And and who knows, we could add a, another wide receiver in the mix because that market is super slow right now. Uh, might get a pretty solid deal on guys like, I don't know, Josh Reynolds, Curtis Samuel. Uh, dare I mention Juju Smith-Schuster would be fun. <laughs> uh, but we'll see how that all goes. It is very uh, uh, very reassuring that losing two huge pillars like Fisher and Schwartz is kind of getting backed up, and there is a direction at this point to get younger but still get dependable and uh, and make sure that that is that concern is addressed this off season and kind of rebuild everything around uh, a certain guy. So I'm excited to see what else they do. I am on Trent Williams watch. I do kind of keep looking at my phone, hoping that I see that t- tweet coming out where Twitter's blowing up, <clears throat> but nothing yet. So we'll see. We'll see. Keep standing by on that, but uh, we'll do. We'll move on here to the final topic of Claire the waivers. Like I mentioned, the March Madness has begun. Um, selection Sunday did see all the matchups, all 68 teams, who they're going to be running out and uh, going after here. We're going to be kind of focusing on, like I said, Mizzou and Kansas being the big local schools. And actually, they both landed in the same region, in that nasty, nasty western region, um, Wichita State also potentially coming out of that West region, I believe as well. So there's another local, local variety team coming at you. Uh, also teams like Gonzaga, Iowa, Virginia, and your team, your, your number two team, Brian Creighton 
mm-hmm. in that nasty, nasty uh, region. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Mizzou first. Brian, what's your take on Mizzou playing Oklahoma? I got to take a breath here, Josh. Um, okay. You got to write a letter? <laughs> you get a pen and some paper? I'm just very confused. Um, four weeks ago, only four weeks ago, the committee showed us who their top four seeds were, top four lines. Mizzou was a four seed. And at the time, people said, who gives a shit about what they are now? You know, it doesn't mean anything. And I thought, well, I think it does mean something because we don't rate that well in the rankings and the, and the efficiencies and all that shit. But they're paying attention to our resume. They, they see we've got some nice wins. So mm-hmm. that, that, that's reassuring that they're going to judge this team by who they beat and who they played and not because their offensive efficiency is not the best in the country. So mm-hmm. that felt good. And then they came out and uh, slammed them with the nine seed uh, <laughs> lined up to play Gonzaga if they were to get past Oklahoma. Uh-huh. So uh, that, that didn't sit real, real well with me because sure. I look at these teams around them. Um, there are only nine teams in the country that have more quad wins than Mizzou. They had seven this year, quad win. Went. Quad same, same as fifth-ranked Creighton. Mm-hmm. same as third seeded West Virginia, same as third seeded Kansas. Mm-hmm. And we're a nine seed. So that chapped my ass a little bit. And so I said, okay, okay, committee, you ranked them. So let's, let's, let's take a look here at who they beat. They beat a one seed in Illinois. They mm-hmm. beat a two seed in Alabama. They beat a three seed in Arkansas, a five seed in Tennessee, a seven seed in Oregon, a seven seed in Florida. Nine and four against tournament teams. Six of those are conference champions. Ah. <laughs> so then, sounds like a, it sounds like an eight, nine team is what it sounds like. Apparently. And the thing is, like, we've seen many Mizzou teams that have been on the bubble, you know, at the end of it. And you're always mm-hmm. looking and they show, like, bad loss. It's like some directional school that they lost to non-con or something. You're like you have this horrible loss on your re- resume, and you yep. look at Mizzou, Mizzou had nine losses on the season, but I don't feel like any of them would be considered bad losses. They lost to Ole Miss twice that had their number clearly that was on the bubble talk. They lost to Auburn when they had Sharif Cooper, which we all saw that he, he, they're a different team with Sharif Cooper. He only played twelve yep. games, and we were just lucky enough to be one of them. I think you can consider Georgia a bad loss, but they had an overall winning record. And they played without Tillman. So, I, I mean, I, I want to be, like, defending this team in front of the committee to, to be like, look at the resumes. Just don't look at the damn ratings and the metrics and all that shit. So, uh, I rock him. Matt Harris. <laughs> Matt Harris wrote up an article today about that showed, let's let's evaluate the, the teams that were seeded six to nine. And let's see how they stack up with, with oh the boy. rest of these teams. Uh, you can do them all? No. <laughs> there's like a, there's a lot of <sighs> so let's say uh, uh, Oregon let's say for instance they got a 7 seed 20 and 6 nice record they lost to Mizzou head up mm-hmm. they lost to him early in the year Oregon was out without a guy but they, they lost to, to Mizzou USC's 22 and 7 is a six seed. Florida, 14 and nine. Five quad win wins. Oh, and they just lost to Mizzou at home. So they have the same number of losses in Mizzou. Lost to them head to head. But they're a seven seed and we're a nine seed. Mm-hmm. Getting given feeding to the wolves. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm a little chapped at these seedings. Especially Sounds like for Mizzou. It. Sounds like it. I just think they got a raw deal. They got they put out some of the best wins you'll find in this tournament, and yep. they got shat all over because their net rating was like forty-seven. Right. Well, like you said, we they do face Oklahoma, the eight seed. Uh, Oklahoma's currently two-point favorites. I did. It kind of seemed like Oklahoma was a very similar uh, season than yeah. Mizzou there. Uh, Oklahoma had five quad one wins and made it up to number nine in the poll, ended up a season on a four game losing streak and lost to KU in the big 12 championship. Mizzou had seven quad one wins, made it up to number 10 in the AP poll, ended the season on a two and five streak, not really streak, but a two and five run lost to Arkansas in the SEC quarters. So very similar uh, kind of 
paths and trajectories of those two. So it's interesting that they are meeting in the in the NCAA tournament in the first round. All I need to know about Oklahoma is they lost to Kansas State. They are trash. They stink. <laughs> Get them out of here. And you Oregon, say that lovingly. Oregon has. I say two. that as a K State fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they were bad this year. K State was yeah. horrible. If you're, yeah. I mean, you want to be NCAA tournament team and you're losing to K State, come on. Just anyone in Oklahoma cannot be upset about their seed. They should they should be a ten or eleven with that loss. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brian, you have more fire. You have more fire to spit. Oregon had two quad win, two quad one wins. Sure, two. USC had three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me a break. What are we doing gotta, here? They got to fill up that far west region as uh, as much as they can. God. <laughs> let's move on to uh, since Brian's good and hot on this. Let's move to the uh, the other side of the of the state line. Kansas playing Eastern Washington on Saturday. Currently 10 and, a half, 10 and a half point favorites here over Eastern Washington. Um, Kansas went seven and eight against quad one teams. Uh, yes, seven wins. Mizzou was seven and six, so not to brag, but it's a winning record against quad one teams. Um, according to Ken Palm, they have the 59th best, most efficient offense and the sixth best defense in the nation in the season on an eight one run until they forfeited in the semis of the championship because they had multiple positive tests of COVID and pulled out. Um, I think there's been rumors of some big time players potentially still being positive at the moment. Nothing's been confirmed. So this could have a really big effect on (laughs) this kind of moves forward. But Kitty, what's your take on uh, Kansas versus Eastern? What is it? Washington? Eastern Washington. Yeah. I thought that I heard, I mean, it was a couple days ago that McCormick has a good chance of being back. And if he's back, that really improves their chances yeah. quite a bit against not just each of Washington, but their next round game, assuming they get past that first round matchup. Mm-hmm. I think he was him and the Enanuma. Well, I can't remember his Enamura, whatever, how I would pronounce his name. Don't not going to be here anymore. Enough. Not, not paying attention enough, <laughs> but uh, I think they were both contract tracing because someone else was positive. Mm near the team so but i think the other what jalen wilson i think he may have tested positive so he might not make it back till the second weekend hmm. if it's if they're still playing if so he is yeah i mean it just seems like this shouldn't be a problem for ku so if they get mccormick back they're looking good <laughs> so why talk about I don't it really, i don't really <laughs> give too much tournament uh, this is on k-state's not in it they're not even close it's yeah, time of the year really sucks when your team's trash all year. So uh-huh. <laughs> makes for a long season for sure. I mean, at least I wasn't sweating the bubble this year. I've done that True. before. That always sucks when you're just hanging on every game. Winter, basically, a tournament starts in Feb- February first. You're in the March right. Madness already because every win or loss means dropping in and out of the tournament. Look so. at you looking on the bright side. That's right. Not on a bu- not a bubble team this year. Not a bubble team. <laughs> it was better than that. Yep. No expectations can be a good thing. <laughs> brian i know you got a take on this what do you have a take on on kansas and eastern michigan or whatever well i think kitty said it best that the the committee the committee did a good job of finding the right teams to put in a tournament this year they just did a horrible job of seeding them <laughs> and i know it's more difficult this year because they had fewer non-cons teams playing all kinds of different number of total games i get that it was harder this year but let's just okay let's say we're, we're going with metrics right Mizzou's mm. clearly the, the case that so they're going against met- with metrics. Okay, so let's compare them to say Tennessee. Mm. And Ken Palm, Tennessee twenty-one, KU's twenty-two. Net rate ratings, UT thirteen, KU's eleven. So these teams were right there, neck and neck, right? Yeah. So it's almost like how do we separate these two teams? All oh, right, they played each other, and there's a twenty-ball bit put on KU. <laughs> Tennessee crushed <laughs> KU head to head, and so that means. Tennessee got the three seed, right? And, and KU's the five seed. That's, that's how I would understand how this it, yeah. works. Nope. Mm-hmm. Okay. That doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. I'll mm-hmm. also say you can take or leave whatever happens with these conference challenges and everything, but SEC big 12 challenge this year, SEC won five to four. And I, I'm not saying that means SEC is a superior conference. I do believe big 12 is a better conference, but it's also ridiculous to say if you pluck Tennessee and put them in the big 12, that they wouldn't finish better than KU. 
when we watched them beat the shit out of them already. Yeah. So I think that's <laughs> I think it's dumb to to treat the Big 12 like it's two levels ahead of the SEC. I think the SEC is a really good conference this year. A lot of solid teams. They're lacking of the Baylor types. I think that's mm-hmm. that's gonna you know pr- maybe get to the Final Four and win it all, but. Um, I think and that really of, might be the win that pushed KU over the top in Tennessee with uh, with their win against Baylor. Sure. Yeah, that probably gave them a little too a little extra than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what Baylor what's Baylor put together the whole season. So, and, a, and I think they're also getting a huge benefit of the doubt here. I mean, the team have pulled out of the conference the tournament, very unknown who's going to be there to play, and we're rewarding them with a three seed. And to me, right. it's putting them too high anyway. And now you're giving that, benefit of the doubt that they're going to be that team still that you saw last. Like, yeah, I I just don't understand the seedings in this tournament hardly at all. Yeah, <laughs> drives me insane. And I mean, how much stock can you put? I I know that nobody wants to play an eight nine eight nine game, but you're going to have to win your games regardless. So I think every team's got to go in with that mentality, regardless of your seeding. You are what you are. You got to go win every game anyways. So. Uh, you can obviously walk you, through I a mean, gauntlet, but at the same time, it's it's almost meaningless. We're putting a lot of a lot of weight into it. And you got the you got the mid major team as the one seed in your bracket. You should be happy with that. <laughs> True. Well, how many just how many a, quad one wins did they have? Just a just a mid major in Gonzaga. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> haven't lost. I do think they were one and zero against top twenty five teams or something like that. They beat a few because they beat West Virginia and iowa and kansas so they they, they actually did a pretty good oh, non okay. notwithstanding they, they were supposed to play baylor too that game at baylor's yeah. other 18 pauses on the year oh, for that would have been a good game but the, i guess but god you, i guess god couldn't protect the baylor university like they, <laughs> they all expected them to mm-hmm. but i mean another example of the committee viewing the big 12 and the sec like two levels apart is west virginia they got a three seed yeah. with an 18 and nine record the same number of quad wins as mizzou Mizzou 16 and nine, same number of losses. And the, you know, the three games that got canceled for Mizzou were probably all likely wins. So yep. you're looking at a team that's, that should have been 19 and nine, same or better record than West Virginia. It's just West Virginia played in the big 12 and we played in the sec mm-hmm. and we won the same number of quad one win game. Why aren't we viewed anywhere near the same yep. as West Virginia? West Virginia's three seed and we're a yeah. nine getting fed to the sharks <laughs> in the region of death. God dang. <laughs> I'm not mad. Well, here's here's the bright side, Brian. This time next week, we will be talking about how Mizzou dismantled both Oklahoma and the unbeaten Gonzaga University. <laughs> and we can celebrate their victory and talk about how they're just, how they're just gonna keep stringing wins together. That's I mean, that's what's so maddening about this is because we we've seen it before. This Mizzou team can beat anyone and they can lose to anyone. Like yep. they play to the level of their competition almost all the time. And if you put them up against a juggernaut or a, a two seed, or if we get seated, what I could do is properly, you're looking at dealing with a three seed, maybe like they can go head to head with anybody except yeah. Gonzaga because Gonzaga is on a different <laughs> level. And that's what pisses me off. Like they totally screwed us. And, and yeah. I look forward to Mizzou covering whatever their spread is, losing by six when they when they're supposed to be eleven and a half point dogs. Um, but oh, yeah, it'll be a twenty a point one. game, I think, if they play. Gonzaga. You think? Uh, yeah. Interesting. Gonzaga is very good. <laughs> very good. Yeah, undeniable. Well, that's uh, that's going to do. It. We'll look forward to talking more about March Madness as we move on next week. Hopefully, uh, KU is eliminated and Mizzou <laughs> is pulling off uh, Cinderella upsets and becomes the darling team. But that's going to do it for clearing the waivers. Let's get into shenanigans. But before we do that, we'll do that right after this. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. 
I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. First shenanigan of the night is going to be DFA, but we're going to kind of do a little spin on it. If you were with us back in the when sports were canceled days, we did what we called shenanigans, where we played games for two hours. It was uh, <laughs> it was quite a Hail Mary content production scenario going on. But we did come up with some fun games, and one of them we did was called we called Waiver Sharks. It's kind of a play on old the old game show Card Sharks, um, but we're going to do kind of a sports spin on it here and this one we're going to kind of t- stick with a theme of royals projections and so what we're going to do is each one of these guys is going to pick a category pick doors one through four and they're going to randomly pick a number between one through 11 and then we're going to pick the we're going to let them know what the stat is who's going to start as their first player and then they're going to tell me if the next player is going to be higher or lower than that person so i'm going to say kitty one clearing the waivers arbitrarily so <laughs> you're going to be the first to pick one door one through four kitty what do you got i'm gonna go door three door three your category this is all royals projections using zips projections on fan graphs so Wrong. your category is pitcher whip <laughs> royals pitcher whip all right so i'm gonna need you to pick a number between one and 11 to tell me your start point let's go number four Number four is Danny Duffy is projected to have a 1.37 whip. That's not ideal. Tyler Zuber, is he going to be a higher whip or a lower whip? Goodness gracious. (laughs) What a fun game you've given us. I will say all these categories are the top 11 projected on the team in this this category. So top 11, Tyler Zuber is in the top 11. Let's see. Probably ballpen guy. Maybe I'm going to go over higher. He is projected to have a higher whip with a 1.42. Not great from a reliever. No, I was was weighing (laughs) that in my head. Maybe the reliever is going to have a better whip. Next player is Chris Bubich. Higher or lower than a 1.42 whip. Man, if they gave Duffy that one. I'm going to go higher again. He is lower at a 1.39. Oh, oh so close. Right yeah. in between them. Right, right in between, between them. Thread Damn the it. needle. Kitty coming away with one point out of a possible oh, That is not good. Tough streak. We'll see what Brian can do. Brian, you have door number one, two, or four left. What do you got? Let's go two, number three. Two is category is hitter war. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just offensive. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> Number three is Jorge Soler at 1.64. Okay. Your next player is Salvador Perez, higher or lower than a 1.64. Jorge Soler is one of our best hitters. Uh, Salvi had a great year last year, but not usually that great. So I'm going to go lower. He actually is going to be second on the team in war with a 2.7. <laughs> Holy shit. Goodness gracious. He's really that's good at defense, above. Brian. So that's Solaire's doing in is the fact that he's a designated hitter. You said offense. Right. War. Hitter war. Mm. If you're a hitter, you have war, but you also play defense. Anyways. Great showing. Glad I went four categories what here. What are you talking about? Glad we have one, glad we have multiple categories here. So this game Katie, is so dumb. Do you know <laughs> you want door number one or four? We're going one. And eight. Let's get deep in the list. Okay. That's good. Because we're not gonna we're not gonna do it by getting them right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, this category is the top eleven in home runs projected by the Royals. All right, might have a chance here. Probably won't, but I'll number eight is Ryan McBroom, projected to hit seventeen home runs. Okay. Wow, I'll take that under. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Will Jorge Soler have more or less than seventeen? He's he better have more. He is projected to have 30, so yes, more. Is McBroom yes. gonna have seven? <laughs> 17. That's he just needs a lot of pinch hit opportunities. And he'll yeah, get there. 17 ABs. Yeah, 
Your next player, Kitty, is Carlos Santana. Higher or lower than 30? I'm going to go lower. He is lower. He also projected to have 17. Oh, wow. Hard to sell him in the Same 20s, as Ryan McBroom, apparently. <laughs> These projections are spot on. All right. I like yep. It. <laughs> it's about to get dumber. Uh, Brewer Hicklin. <laughs> Who? Brewer Hicklin is a outfield prospect. <laughs> I got to go lower. He is lower. They still somehow project him to have 13 home runs this year. I need to look this guy up. He's going to be a match like that. He might not get 13 at bats in major leagues this year. <laughs> Next player is Andrew Benatendi. Higher or lower than 13? Ooh, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to think he's going to go. We're going to put him at doubles, guys. I'm going to go at 11 or 10. He is projected to hit 14 home runs. So it was higher. Oh! So you are done. Hey, three is better than one, though, and it's definitely better than zero. So, sure up. Got four points today. Very good. So, Brian's got to get four to tie, five to win of the door number four category, which is pitcher K per nine. Oh, God. <laughs> this is all pitchers. Bullpen is included here with the rotation. What's your starting point? Seven. Seven. Yours, your first one is Grant Gavin. Bullpen arm. Grant Not on Gavin. the 40 man. Yep. He's, he's, he's a, a top 11 guy? Apparently, yes. Uh, <laughs> his K per nine is projected to be 9.41. This has you know, to count minor leagues. What did no. they uh, project his innings pitch to be at, if you don't mind? I don't know. I don't that. know. Okay. That's not, not, not important here, Kitty. I'm just curious. That's outrageous. Does Chris <laughs> Bubich, is he going to have more or less than 9.41 K per nine? 9.41. That's pretty high. 9.41. Bubich was a strikeout pitcher in the minor leagues. Not quite as much in the majors. God, this is dirty. Who was, what the hell was the name? Grant Gavin? <laughs> Grant Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> you know, double G. Does he Old currently dub. on the team? He's in the minor system. Are I don't they think just projecting he, the room uh, trade for him? I don't think he was in spring training. <laughs> so he's got to make some, he's got to make some impressions this year. 9.4. Mm-hmm. K per nine. Mm-hmm. God dang. For a starter, I, I got to go lower. It is lower. Brian's on the board. Yes. Chris Bubich projected to have an 8.48. <laughs> not that much lower. Nine. Nope. That's a lot. That's higher That's than I expected. not too shabby. Uh, next player is Greg Holland. Higher or lower than 8.48? God. Because he's got – I would put him right around that number. He doesn't strike out a ton of guys anymore, but he only pitches one inning. <laughs> God, it's nice to hear he, the thought process. I yep. mean, he probably still showing his work here. He probably still averages a strikeout per inning, right? He's got to get one guy on case, but that's so high. He overthinks this so much. <laughs> Let's go lower. Lower. It was higher, nine point nine eight. You're about as good as I am on these fifty fifty shots. I hate this game. I'm so ah. bad at these 50-50s. And it's based <laughs> off bullshit projections. It is. Zips <laughs> Zips is uh, known for being the worst? pretty solid, but oh, okay. um, I don't understand. I don't understand how some of these players, like MJ Melendez was on the home run list. Who's getting, how's he getting at bats? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but. Ryan McBroom's hitting 17 homers. They thought MJ Melendez was hitting 15. Jesus. I don't. I also learned that MJ Melendez's first name is Mervil. Okay. Oh, that's cool. I go by MJ too. M E R V Y L. That's a. That's an awesome. Uh, name. I might go I like by that. I'm gonna. I'd go by Mervil. I'd go, go by Mervil. Absolutely. Uh-huh. I'm in. I'm Prove it. Start, call, start calling me Mervil. Mervil Kitty. Mervil Crot. <laughs> there we go. So that's uh, that was waiver sharks. Pathetic. Brian, obviously, very good at it. Um, <laughs> That was kind of tough category. The caper nine is certainly certainly a tough one, but I expected more from you in the war. I really, really did. Really I, did. I mean, I really didn't take position into account. Right. When I thought Clearly. it was all offense, I was going. I was just who's going to be the better hitter. Right. When you're bad at things, it's obviously someone else's fault. You're right. <laughs> you're right. So Kitty's going to kick off our next shenanigan, which is keep trade cut.
so we did talk about St. Patty's Day is today is when you're probably listening to this. So uh, we went with some holiday mascots that we are keeping and trading and cutting the ability to be those mascots on their respective holidays to with to hold on and and produce the powers, hold the powers that those mascots have every one of these holidays. So we went with a classic leprechaun. We went St. Patty's Day leprechaun. We went with Cupid for Valentine's Day. And I didn't want to get super, I mean, this is, it would be a runaway if we were going to be Santa Claus. So I went with the Grinch for Christmas. So we're going to keep, keep one of these, trade one of these and cut one of these. We're going to trade for another holiday mascot that we would also like to be. Kitty, you won uh, the waiver shark. So you're going to go first. What do you got? A runaway. Uh, he says. <laughs> Santa's a runaway. This is pretty close. Uh, I'm Who doesn't want to be Santa? Who doesn't want to be Santa? It's too I much would. work, man. I, I'm going to cut the Grinch as my first move on this. Interesting. Okay. I mean, first half of that story, great stuff, man. The guy's just doing what he does, stealing presents, being a real jerk, and then great stuff. He gives it all back. No Amazing. conviction on this guy. Yeah, guy's weak. So now, I mean. He doesn't do anything anymore. So I, I, I'm done with him. He's okay. I don't know what he's doing. He's too conflicted for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to keep the leprechaun. It looks like a pretty fun little gig those guys got going on there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they're just cobblers by trade, apparently, and bankers. So you know, that's where they get their gold from. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they can grant you some wishes if you can trap one. Or, But apparently, if you don't keep your eye on them, they'll sneak away and do some little tricks for you. So yep. really good stuff. I like these guys. Little, these guys little got pranksters. Little, they are. I mean, and then, then you, some, once in a while, he'll show up in the hood, make a movie about it. Oop. Yeah. And just with leprechaun, the leprechaun has just got a wide range of what possibilities. So I'm going to, I'm a big fan of what, what they bring to the table. And sometimes wide if, you range know what, of shenanigans, shenanigans has, yes, as it were. And sometimes they can just sit around and do nothing at all, which yep. I'm a hundred percent in on that. That's true. That aspect of being a leprechaun. <laughs> Okay. So well, that leads me to trading old Cupid. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit too much of a sideline guy for myself. He just doesn't really get, ah. doesn't get into the, doesn't really get into the mix. He's just kind of hanging sure. out, shooting bow, shooting arrows into people. Although I did find a great uh, name for him. Was searching through the, what his deeds and misdeeds were. And someone called him the demon of fornication. Ooh. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's shooting all these random un- unmarrieds, apparently and getting them all yeah. horny for each other. So this guy horned, uh, horned up, horned, horned up. So he can't be trusted. So hmm. I'm going to trade him. I think people really uh, get into the spirit of Valentine's Day, and they'd enjoy being a little cupid for a day. Uh huh. True. So I'm going to trade though for Leap Day William from Thirty Rock. I don't know if you <laughs> yeah. if, if you watch that TV show, but there is a. A holiday mascot named Leap Day William that obviously only shows up once every four years. That's mm-hmm. my kind of that's my kind of gig. Sure. Uh, he he emerges from the Mariana Trench and <laughs> he trades. He has got yeah he got the gills and everything. He trades uh, candy for children's tears. So if the kids are crying, he'll just throw you candy. So he's just a real real solid dude. And uh, you wear you bl- wear blue and yellow. Got to get your whole suit going on there. And uh, Leap day is a great day. It's a day to take your chances that you wouldn't do the rest of the year because real life is for March. Mm-hmm. Leap day is the day you take chances. So I'm going to go around helping people take their chances on leap day. So leap day, William, is who I'm going with. I mean, they might as well make the purge on February 29th because you put that on like a court document and they're like, February 29th doesn't exist. You dummy. Not a real day. Not a this real day. Isn't, I mean, throw it out. This case is garbage. Exactly. It's perfect. So Leap Day William, you guys, people should check that out if you haven't uh, gonna, watched Thirty Rock. I was going to ask you, are are you Leap Day William? Can you tell us that? I think uh, you're supposed to. Um, if you see an old man in a blue and yellow suit, you just you be nice to him just in case he is Leap Day William. Okay. They don't oh, usually uh, they don't they don't come out and say it, but just you know just be be on the lookout sure. for a guy blue and yellow blue and yellow suit on uh, on Leap Day. Keep your eye on that Mariana Trench. <laughs> yeah, he. Come screaming out of there on that morning of leap day. There you go. You might find him. Cool. Okay. Well, since Brian's a big loser, I'm going to go second here. Um, <laughs> I'm cutting that leprechaun life. I mean, you Ooh. got your gold, but you're lonely, man. You're alone. You're a lonesome little leprechaun. So 
I, I don't think there's much to like about this. And the only lo- the brokenness is only broken up by someone trying to steal your shit. I mean, you got a <laughs> rainbow that's, that's a straight up beacon to where your gold is. I mean, any, any Tom, Dick or Harry treasure hunters knows exactly where your gold is. So you're constantly on the run. I mean, that's, that seems like a whole lot of anxiety and I'm going to pass on it. <laughs> Leprechaun out. <laughs> I'm keeping the Grinch life because Ooh. here's the thing. Every Christmas you get to plan a heist and it's a big time <laughs> heist. And I can 100% get behind that lifestyle. You get all year thinking about how those who's detest you and how you hate Christmas and how you're just going to take it from them. But you have to do it differently every year to keep them on their toes. So, I mean, you go Grinch Oceans 11, Grinch Oceans 12. You got to recruit a team now. I mean, I'm in. Talk about that. anxiety. Oh, I love it. I <laughs> yeah, love but it. Then, then once on Christmas morning, you hear those dummies singing again. You got to give all hey. the presents back. And guess what? You give it back and you're the hero. You stole from them and you gave it back and they're like, oh, come come sing and, and enjoy the who feast with us. I don't like it. The guy's weak. I mean, yeah, you say what you want about the greed. I mean, he was lifting <laughs> up a sleigh full of toys. Weakness is not his gig. He is a strong fella. <laughs> or who? He's a who, isn't he? So I'm sure. keeping the Grinch life. I'm trading the Cupid. It would be fun to play God, but I feel like we could get a really good trade value from cupid cupid and give them to some of like the the people who spend way too much time breaking down like celebrity couples i think that they get a really really the uh <laughs> therese hilton or whatever his name is i think we could really stir the pot up in hollywood giving him the uh, cupid abilities that uh, uh that we could get i'm gonna trade for becoming jack frost <laughs> One of my favorite things, I like cold weather for one thing, but the best season is fall. And Jack Frost is the guy who brings in the fall foliage. He kicks off fall. He works it right in the winter. So Jack Frost, hero in my book. I thought I thought you were going to be the snowman. Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. I mean, Jack he Frost. plays a really good that. harmonica. <laughs> Real good harmonica on that Jack Frost. <laughs> Terrible. I, that uh, movie was terrible and very funny. I've never thought of being Jack Frost. I'll say mm-hmm. that. That never crossed my mind. I don't know if he's really a holiday character, but he's more of a winter guy. But either That's way, close enough. I'm into it. I hate into winter, it. so he can he can kick rocks from me as far as I'm concerned. I feel like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have to find many Cupid lovers to be ordered to trade for a Jack Frost. I don't think. No, I think you got get that one pretty easy. Yep. All right, Brian. You're gonna you're gonna take us home with your keep trade cut of holiday characters here. Yes, and as the great Dave Damashek says, Kitty and I park our cars in the same garage. I'm right there with him <laughs> in line, lockstep. I'm keeping Leprechaun. I don't know about your Leprechaun, Josh, but my every Leprechaun I see always looks jolly and happy. And I mean, he's got his gold in the rainbow. He's on a heavy drinking holiday, so I feel like he's always got a mug of beer in his hands. And I want to be that guy. So I think I'm that's you projecting leprechaun. it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, I'm pretty sure I've seen that leprechaun hold a mug here and there. Hey, they're I'm playing not. all those. They're playing all those tricks on people. They're probably a little tipsy. A little tipsy. They've also got sugared up from the Lucky Charms, so that's probably true. You find me a picture <laughs> of a depressed leprechaun. I mean, not, you're not going to find it. So, leprechaun, I am cutting the Grinch like Kitty did. Uh, living in the in a cave in the side of a mountain sounds terrible to me. Outside of robbing families and then turning (laughs) having no conviction just living in a cave just sounds shitty even though i like to be left alone yeah i was gonna say that sounds absolutely your speed yeah it's really uh half and half there for you you're not a christmas person and you don't like people so i feel like that's two top qualifications to be the grinch can you imagine trying to send a text out of a cave you think it's bad like trying to do it out of you don't want to talk to anybody so who are you who are you talking to you have a dog talk shit to somebody (laughs) <laughs> you got the dog <laughs> i got to get takes off to somebody man true, <laughs> true. so I'm, I'm trading cupid because it's just too much pressure we've all seen married at first sight right it's it's a hard job <laughs> so cupid is essentially go around married at first sight and people we see that's a hit rate about one out of every eight times so i don't want the pressure being cupid and setting up people that don't belong together so yeah, i'm out on that 
or that or the uh, show are you the one on mtv too that was, oh yeah uh-huh. that might be a, that might be lower than married at first sight percent that's tough those matchmakers are god awful by the way but they're really bad <laughs> really really bad so i am trading him for fourth of july character joey chestnut Ooh. <laughs> the hot dog eating contest every year i, I like love that. it and my favorite part is having it on and inevitably somebody walks in the room and they just start gagging and they're like this is disgusting because you see his veins like bulging out of his oh, head yeah. you see him uh-huh. slobbering all over the place water is just falling out of his mouth as he's just shoving hot dogs and buns in his mouth so mm-hmm. i love you joy chestnut i want to be you thank you for giving us giving me entertainment i i think the my favorite part about that is you used uh married at first sighting as a verb <laughs> married at first sighting people is is very fun it's very fun to me i don't want that job i can't blame you but i would be better than the matchmakers i mean you gotta shoot you got a bow and arrow and they have to do what you're you know you shot them so they they are that now so that doesn't mean it's it was the right decision i i mean it was it is debatable yes <laughs> debatable but they have no choice they're 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 gonna start boinking real soon which i'm also not really thrilled about which part people don't really want to i'm just gonna make them want to oh yeah uh, yeah that's that's certainly a blur let's go ahead and start the cancel cupid movement i feel like that <laughs> is over overdue <laughs> it's uh it's not something we need Yep. Peppy Le Pew, wow. if you're on the if you're on the chopping block, Peppy, then then so is Cupid. Get, Get out the of the hashtag Cupid. started, Josh. Yep, cancel Cupid. Hashtag <laughs> cancel Cupid. Uh, so with that, let's close it out here. We uh, we appreciate it, each and every one of you joining us for uh, the Clean Wears podcast this week. If you're joining us because you've heard us before, we appreciate every second that you've listened to us. If you found us through Royals Review, certainly cruise the site over royalsreview.com if you aren't already doing so. Uh, go check out Royals Farm Report. Also, our brethren, podcast brethren over at RoyalsReview.com. We haven't given them a shout out in a while, but the Heartland Pod, also a very good podcast. Uh, our buddy Adam Summer and uh, Zach Schwartz, Sean Diller, doing some great work over there. Um, so if you're in politics, go check them out as well. But other than that, I think that's everything we have. Until next week, for Brian, Kitty, and myself, ta-ta for now.